1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
2: It's the Mitchin
0: Podcast.
2: Hey, what's up and welcome to the Mitchin. My name is Andrew Levins and this is a podcast all about food. My My podcast host... Co-host, Co-host Is Mitch Orr from Acme <laughs> What's up Mitch, how you doing? What's up bro? how are you? Uh, last week we, we got into it We did uh, With our good friends Michael Eggert Got a bit emotional Kylie Avia um, We uh, we talked at length about the new changes to the 457 visas And how they're going to affect the hospitality industry Recorded a few videos, put them online Shit went crazy Mitch Viral even We got accused of maybe not knowing what we're talking about <laughs> that's Which I agree with Not the with. first
1: and not the last time that's going to happen But we I'm thought I'm pretty th- sure we admitted that before we even started talking
2: yeah, constantly. I think we, we, we like started arguing about things without going, oh, and I haven't properly read the article. But, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, something that I'm sure our, our guest has to deal with constantly. Uh, He's certainly someone that knows considerably more about the changes to the 457 visas than we do. Probably and so, more about
1: most things, really.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, maybe not about making risottos. No, would be, uh, uh, debatable. My,
3: my <laughs> non mexican <of> risotto. <laughs>
2: uh, he is the political editor of BuzzFeed. He is Mark Stefano Thank you so much for joining us, Mark.
3: Thanks so much guys for letting me onto the mitchin
2: hey anytime I oh he got some friends that are big big fans
3: yeah big shout out to uh claire oliver and tim who all <laughs> listen to this podcast every single every single time it goes up
2: it's, you just, you just made we- their week. are they unemployed or are they <laughs> no 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 yeah exactly yeah they are now because of the changes the 457 visas they gotta go back to italy <laughs> Um, so we're gonna get straight into it Normally I begin with like a fake like, or oh, not a fake Like a, like a dumb fake Food news, news story okay. But I couldn't find one this week So let's just say that A man in Wagga Wagga Ate a pineapple and died Hilarious <laughs> um, Let's get straight into The 457 visas stuff um, we, we spoke at length at a, um, Last week Especially Michael Eggett From Pinbone uh, Really You know Had a lot to say We, we basically As people that, that, that are in the hospitality industry We see so many people That are out here On the 457 Visas and last week, we were worried that they might not be able to work in Australia anymore. And we decided that based off of that, this could be the end to a lot of our favorite restaurants who rely on being able to employ people like that because a lot of Australian citizens don't want to do the extremely hard jobs that a hospitality industry offers.
3: That's fair. I mean, it's not just hospitality that the freakouts happening as well. Like the startup culture in Australia, which has been going on for about five years, I think is really relying on 457s. Um, the media industry, uh, even journalists. uh, It's really important for us um, to have people coming from overseas to not just fill the jobs, but actually teach the next generation of people how to do the jobs. You know, like they've actually got skills. These are not um, lowly skilled people that um, places in the media, startup, hospitality industry are bringing out. A lot of the times they've got skills that are being, people are being taken under the wing and and being um, helped out. So I think that that's the reason why... um, this change is, I think, very short-sighted and very cynical in many ways because we're talking about 95,000 people in Australia, less than 1% of the, of the economy when it comes to working people um, and it's had a real chilling effect. I've seen in the last week and I'm sure you guys have probably noticed it as well on Facebook and um, on social media, like you know, foreigners who are just really worried about what comes next now.
2: Yeah I, yeah, I we have a lot of friends, uh, a lot of them in in the hospitality industry. One of them was a guest recently, Ray Jones, uh, who is uh, doesn't who's like now considering moving to New Zealand because uh, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to have his visa renewed. Um, you know, his his and and other people, um people uh, that, that that work in the food industry, I've seen status updates just saying like you know they they had all the documents ready to renew their visa in like the next month, and mm. now they're worried that yeah
1: maybe they won't be able to. And there's was sort of reading some stuff which I'm sure we'll talk about. A lot of people saying that chefs aren't included or whatever, but then cooks and pastry chefs and waiters and XYZ are included or it makes it harder to process to get to permanent residency. So it's not just that like chefs aren't included, it's the whole industry. And you know what? Qualified chefs probably make up a tiny percentage of the labor force in kitchens as well. You know, like I don't know where my like I couldn't prove that I'm a qualified chef anymore. Mm. Mike's not a qualified chef. You know, a lot of the guys that come through now don't go to TAFE because the TAFE system's so fucked, which is another massive problem. So it's not the people saying chefs aren't on the list. It's fucking much bigger than that. Mm.
3: Yeah, and I think also that clearly, if if my viewing of Netflix's Chef's Table is any uh, <laughs> is any guide, uh, that's, that's, all, that's uh, all of Mitch's qualifications. <laughs> yeah, exactly, watching <laughs> Netflix. But I mean, it's very clear, right? That you know. Chefs learn by traveling and by going into kitchens and learning cuisines and learning from chefs that they would not have normally been able to do. Um, And Australia is probably like a really good pit stop for a lot of people. Um, And I think that's the same thing, especially in journalism. Like we have you know, British and American journos who come out here who start up things like the New York Times Australian version and the Guardian's Australian version and they they get to hire 10 young Aussie journos and they impart all of that knowledge mm-hmm. and I think that's what's so disappointing. It's so short-sighted and it's something that will play well in some marginal electorates um, in 18 months' time when the next election is but... It's also so unlike Malcolm Turnbull, who's like supposed to be, you know, the outwardly looking prime minister. Like, yeah. think about Malcolm, where Malcolm Turnbull was in the late nineties. This is a guy who like created the the web, like the web portal, Aussie Mail. Like, there's no doubt he would have had to have used developers that probably were from overseas when he first mm. started that, or or. or somehow outsource that work you know the guy's a businessman he knows um that this is the sort of way to get your business off the ground which is hiring people from overseas getting skills in um sometimes when you put job ads up you don't always get people applying that you would love to but that's what's so disappointing because i think that if Like we, we even I even joked to my team. I was like, "Let's see if we can find if Malcolm Turnbull used to hire people on four, five, (laughs) sevens because he probably did. Like he probably did because he was a small businessman at one stage." So, I I think that it's a it's a really disappointing move. So let's before we get
2: into the deep opinions, and we've got not only our own opinions today, (laughs) we've got a lot of people who commented on our videos that reached a much wider audience than our podcast usually does. So (laughs) they're very respectful. Um, But uh, let's I guess you know you've been you've been covering this this story pretty heavily Um, and it's been great because you know until that good a good food article went up yesterday very very few uh food Food media media, outlets had had reported on it which is disappointing um but uh i guess are you able to kind of talk us about talk to us through what the 457 visa was yeah and what the changes
3: are yeah so um previously the 457 visa was a classification of temporary skilled worker visa right so you want to come in you would apply for essentially a visa for up to four years. And um, there was fewer restrictions. I mean, it's the best way to explain it. There is a list, a big long list of hundreds of op- occupations in which you can apply. And there's those comical ones, right? Which, like, the media jump on, like, oh, no, goat farmer is on. Like, as if we have a skilled shortage in goat farmers. <laughs> but, like... For all seriousness, there are things like chefs, cooks, you know, wait staff, cafe managers, all that sort of thing. And then you've got like, you know, journalists, TV journalists, radio journalists. And so you've got this big long list. Previously, it was about up to four years. And the reason why it was so important was because previously you could actually get a path to permanent residency right so after three years if you were in australia you've been working full-time you could apply for permanent residency which is like kind of like a bit of a holy grail just below citizenship you know it allows you to do everything you pay your tax here you can have um full-time work you know you can you can have your family and you can you know have those anchor babies like you can have your baby in australia and um And now what's happened is they're splitting it in two, right? So very, very simple. Um, There's the first one is the short uh, two-year one. uh, And that will be restricted much more on on the types of occupations. And then the second one is a four-year one, right? So that can still be used as a path to residency. But because of the length of time in which you're able to apply for the path to residency, the two-year one won't actually allow all those people to come out here, move their lives, move their families to actually get to that path to residency. And I think that that's the really shitty thing for so many people, including friends of mine, is that they came out here knowing that they know, like they they want to become naturalized citizens in 10 years, but after three years, they can start going for the residency. And so what the changes did is they split it up, one for two, one for four. um, And the two-year one, what you're going to see is just a lot more churn. And I think you guys probably could speak to this in your industry, it's like, if you were to come out here, if you brought a chef out here for two years, I mean, by the time they set up their house and finally got into a groove, that's one year gone. That's halfway. And then yeah. they're going to have to start reapplying for visas. They might not get a chance to, to get the, the next four, five, seven. So, I think that that's the concern for people who are coming out here is that path to residency. And, and the other one would be, you know, the other concern is just that list, which was previously hundreds of occupations – Peter Dutton and Malcolm Turnbull have cut it down by about 400 occupations. So things like, um, you know, cafe managers and bar managers can't now no longer get that four-year visa. They have to get the two-year one. So I think that there's so much misinformation around uh, what's actually happened and what the changes mean. And, and the actual announcement itself was supposed to be shock and awe. It was supposed to scare the hell out of everyone because mm. it was about politics. It wasn't necessarily about the actual changes. Um, Malcolm Turnbull did this thing where... He actually announced it on Facebook in a video and it wasn't until about halfway through the video did he actually say, oh yeah, but we're replacing the 457 scheme with a different scheme. And what happened was is that, I'm sure you guys know and all your listeners know, is that everyone was like, oh my God, he's abolishing 457s and shared it and liked it or like put a shitty, angry reaction on Facebook. Um, And what happened was it became his most viewed video on Facebook um, within 24 hours. And this is Malcolm Turnbull who's supposed to be like great at the internet and he's And his most viewed video is this one where he's talking straight into the camera and scaring the perjeezes out of migrants and foreigners. Mm. (laughs) And if you look underneath, and this is the way that we all communicate these days, everyone's tagging their mates. Everyone's tagging their foreigner friends. And I think that that's the reason why, I mean, I've spoken to Malcolm Temple's office about this. It was a deliberate strategy because they knew that they could actually get into people's Facebook feeds at a very, very quick moment. And... um, and scare a whole bunch of foreigners Who were all, I'm sure, running to Immigration lawyers in the last week So it's mm. it's terrifying
2: This is a great point, part, part to bring up a comment That was uh, posted on one of our videos One of the one of the few very good comments that was posted <laughs> on our videos Last week, uh, comes from uh, one of our regular guests Lee Tran Lam, um, who hosts The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry podcast uh, She says, unfortunately, Turnbull's 457 visa policy is purely political As Mitch pointed out, 457 visas Affect less than 1% of the whole labour market So it's not about jobs, but it is a about Turnbull trying to appeal to Pauline Hanson's fan base, she was celebrating this move pretty much instantly. This policy makes no logical or economic sense, but like the recent Section Eight DNC blowup, it is all about Turnbull appearing tough and also appealing to the, the right wing of his party who have always been suspicious of him. Changes to sec- Section Eighteen C were never going to get through the Senate, so why did Turnbull ha- hammer on about it so loudly? Again, like this 457 policy to appeal to Pauline Hanson's support base and to try and shake the moderate tag that has dogged him. I know this can sound kind of conspiracy theory, but there's been a lot of political commentary on this topic and Turnbull's party has been pretty openly courting her supporters to see the whole WA election mess. And given that Turnbull's popularity has been on the skids, he is getting pretty desperate. That's why these recent policies have really swung to the right. From what I've read, the changes aren't supposed to take effect until March next year, but I'm not sure if there's something that have to pass or if it's pretty much a done deal. But changes to Section 18C were killed twice by massive community outrage, so hopefully people are vocal about this. Contact their local rep, contact Peter Dutton, Turnbull, etc., and also Mike Eggett's fave Penny Wong, mainly because she's rad. (laughs) Also, Malcolm Turnbull used to have uh, another one of our guests, wine, uh, wine genius Mike Benny on speed dial, Back when he used to pick out wines for him and Lucy Turnbull, maybe Mike can wield some policy-changing <laughs> influence over a bottle of Bryant. <laughs> um, so, I definitely think it's all on Mike Benny. Yeah. Yeah. Mike,
1: make a phone call yourself.
2: But, uh, look, I mean, this has been something that's been talked about is this 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 whole thing. It's like, you know, it's it's Turnbull appealing to the worst of us.
3: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's pretty depressing, you know. It's... A big song and dance for less than 1% of the workforce. Um, and, I mean, the there was analysis that the Labor Party did that they leaked to places like us, which showed that of the occupations they took off the list, it would actually only impact less than 10% of the, of the people on 457s. So, it was like, we're taking all these, you know, we're taking all of these hundreds of occupations off, but they're occupations that hadn't been used by the 457 program for right. ages. And I think that's the, you know, this was about um, a, a political announcement that should have been, bizarrely, should have been welcomed by the Labor Party and the unions because they've been banging on about 457s for ages. And this is their arena of politics. Their arena of politics is about Aussie jobs and it is about, you know, keeping foreigners out and it's about making sure that, um, that's, that the 457 program is, you know... In so-called in quotations, you know, uh, has integrity, um, but they've been whistling about this, you know, racially whistling about this program for the last couple of years. So, not only Hanson has been going out on this um, and leading with the chin, but Short Bill Shorten had done this at the end of last year, and there was this, all this sort of outrage from liberals who were like, "You are attacking the, you know, attacking a, a visa program that does great things for this country," and that's true. I just find it really depressing because as um, your commenter pointed out it's like is that Malcolm Turnbull when he became Prime Minister two years ago was not supposed to be this Prime Minister like this was the Tony Abbott type tactic you know the the one who's appealing to the real base um, bad uh, instincts in, in all of us and it I was I was actually bored by the fact that after one week of not just four five seven changes, but those that bullshit Australian values crap that they were trying to do with the citizenship test at the end of last week, the news poll came out, which is like the all important you know um, poll that the Australian newspaper does, and they had uh, you know made one point up in the latest polling after such a big week where he was in the news, and it was flat. The whole polling was flat. It was within a margin of error, and so. You had people like Peter Dutton Going on the Today Show With Carl Stefanovic You know like King Carlos Who's mm-hmm. like you know Voice for bloody Aussie Australia And Carl Stefanovic Is saying to Peter Dutton Like Good changes, like I think people are going to really like these changes, and you know. But I thought was he being sarcastic? And no, then? That he was nah, That's what I thought then, too. I thought he, he was being he, super sarcastic. Then he as said, well. "We're going to get
2: you like Donald Trump." Yeah. Here.
3: Well, yeah. no, I think the the commentary before and after he was clearly taking the mickey out of Peter Dutton because you know it's Peter Dutton, but it's very clear that these these changes landed to the Sunrise Today Show set in a very favourable way. So you even had Sam Armitage on Sunrise who were like, you know, this is great. You know, it's about Australians, about keeping keeping these jobs, giving them to Austra- oh, Aussie God. kids. And there was an interesting, and I don't know if people saw this, like Mike Cannon-Brooks is like uh, Aussie tech billionaire, head of Atlassian, right? Like this guy is like one of the success stories in the last couple of decades in Australian business. He had a massive blow up with Peter Dutton online about it because Peter Dutton is trying to attack people like you know, Atlassian, attack people like you guys who hire, you know, you guys are young, innovative entrepreneurs and you're hiring, um, you're putting these jobs out and you would love to be able to hire an Aussie, but you can't. So, you get, you know, a foreigner to do the job. And like, and I love to say it's like foreigners, like a lot of the times these people aren't brown, you know, it's like these are like, you know, there's like they're British and American people. So, that's this. that's even the more concerning thing about this is that when the scare tactics really ramp up, you're demonising British people who live in Bondi and like consume. Which places. they should be doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? It's like <laughs> it's fair. like think about that's like, the subset we should be <laughs> giving yeah. shit to. And yeah. think about the skilled workforce, right? Like, even people probably who listen to this podcast, it's like you guys all spend all your money in the economy. Like you guys aren't like, like they're not sending their money home. Like these are, these are skilled, you know, late twenties, early thirties, hyper intelligent. They've got cash to burn and they go to restaurants and they spend their money. It's not like, you know, we're we're not, these four, five, seven recipients aren't, you know, packaging up all the cash and sending it overseas. And that's what frustrates me as well. It's like, you forget that they're consumers and they're, they're mm. consuming the economy and they're paying taxes and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's frustrating on so many levels. And,
2: and we just spent so much money having this uh, the, the top 50 restaurants yeah. awards. just to Trying f- to bring, f- bring f- more attention. And and, but you know what brings way more attention to restaurants in a more, much more natural way is allowing people from
0: overseas restaurants to travel and, and work shit. in the Australian yeah, ones and until see that we're on calm. par. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it
3: was actually really funny. The, the way it landed as well was the Indian press... Lost it. Like, you know, this is a visa that actually um, the the biggest ethnic group that use it are Indians. And then it was huge in the Irish press as well. Mm -hmm. Like, the island wrote up. It was the top story of the BBC over in London. So, um, I got contacted by, you know, people in the US from from BuzzFeed being like, what the hell are these changes? I mean, it, it really did reverberate around the world because... When you think about Australia, you think about you do you do your stint, you know, like go yeah. go to Australia for a couple of years, you know, um, um, find an Aussie bird and you know settle down and <laughs> that sort of stuff. Like that's like the kind of like a great story. It's a it's a it's really disappointing that like we're kind of trying to choke the goose that actually is is the thing that makes Australia such a great export nation. Like yeah. people come here for a great lifestyle and they might leave after five ten years, but you know they've they've given back they've spent money they've picked up a family like there's 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 so much to say for this 457 program
1: just just quickly before we move on with the splitting of the two yeah. is it also have they also changed the parameters of actually applying and receiving the visas as well
3: no 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 so right. you will still be able to like it, it's still one of those things where the changes that they propose have to go through the parliament so they have to get voted up in the house which they will yeah. in the lower house and then they'll have to go to the senate where they probably will get support by Nick Xenophon and Pauline Hansen because that's they need um, when they every single piece of legislation that goes to the house or so it goes to the parliament needs both Xenophon and Hansen because as soon as one of them say no then the, the that's what we saw with 18c so um, we still have not Uh, got to a stage where application like the actual process itself will be changing um maybe hansen and xenophon will bring amendments where they're like no we want to change it or make it make it easier make it harder Um, i think the most important thing about this though like say you're listening at home and you're worried about your mate do the reading of course on the internet but like go see an immigration lawyer like i think that's the most important recommendation we had someone at, at buzzfeed i was like as much as like I can consume the information about this and we've read, you know, all of the proposals, like an immigration lawyer quite often can be like, No, 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 it's gonna be okay or no no no, this is a problem for you. Yeah. So I think the the most important thing is is even for business owners as well, is like you consult your legal team, you know, go see people because they're the ones that are gonna actually know how it applies to your business. But as it stands at the moment, the most important change is those splitting between two years and four years. And the two-year ones don't allow you to get part, a path to residency, which is the, yeah. as I said, the holy grail, yep. if that makes sense.
2: Yep. Okay. So I was going to say, this, uh, this conversation is far too intelligent. So I thought <laughs> i will give us another comment. This one comes from Adam. Uh, he says, cry me a fucking river. <laughs> BS. <laughs> Stop hiring casuals You all want full-time commitments But offer casual hours You all pay minimum wages And offer your staff no security This is why you rely on visas This is a smokescreen Stop your BS I love that he said fucking But then says BS Um, (laughs) If you can't afford to pay your staff More than the reward And you haven't got full-time positions to offer Then you can't afford to open Go get a job and join in with the rest of us That are protesting real workplace issues Like penalty rates okay
1: so for starters let's let, let's start first sentence what, what Mitch what's going on <laughs> we all want full-time commitment and we all offer full-time commitment no one in the workforce wants full-time commitment they all want flexibility they want to come and go as they please they want to oh, call in sick on a nice day off to go to the beach you know we want people to come and work and fucking work their asses off for us as we do and as we did when we were young and learning and trying to build a career. Nobody does that anymore. And the guys on four, five, sevens or on tourist visas or whatever that are here to learn and here to experience things and here to grow, come in and work. If I could hire a full team of young guys that wanted to work full-time hours And that's not a fucking cushy 38-hour office job week. That's 50 hours, 60 hours, which they get paid for. I'll take them. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to get a few here and there, but they're very fucking rare.
3: Yeah, And and there's this whole thing at the moment called like job snobs is that like the problem being is that in places like Queensland where so much of the hospitality and tourism industry up there are filled by 457s there are not young australian kids who want to do the jobs yeah. and will apply for the jobs or will like last the last 6 months or they'll do a year and then they'll leave because like they want to go to a bigger metro city so you know like i think that the the angry commenter you're talking about there it's like the reality on the ground is that like you guys are the ones that actually get the applicants' resumes, right? You're not getting flooded with like <laughs> resumes from kids in Bankstown, you know. <laughs> like, you know, it would be great if you were, but it's that's just not the case. Um, and we live in a we live in a country that's so fucking big, and it would be great if we're more centralized. Like, we would be really good if we could actually become this sort of dense. Um, you know, more like America, where you have like people packed into cities, so you can provide great restaurants and great services and that sort of stuff. But the reality of Australia is that you've got to live out in bumfuck nowhere and like work as a dish pig. And like when you're trying to fill that job, they're just clearly not having applicants going for them or Aussie applicants. Yeah, and it's not even like it's
1: from kitchen hands to all the way up the top. You know, like it's at every level we're short staffed. And the other thing is that every restaurant. Is looking for people to work there, so there's this huge amount of jobs and no workforce to fill them.
2: Yeah, every like every single guest that we've had on, yeah, uh, in in the last Need year staff. Is, has, has an Instagram notice in the last oh, really? two weeks saying Need staff stuff. wanted. Like you know, and Sydney's best restaurants at pretty much any given time are looking for staff. And-
3: are they are they are they looking for skilled staff or are they looking for like able hands who can like this who- is the
1: thing we're looking for skilled staff we can't find them so we're looking for sets of hands yeah right because we can't get the skilled staff you go fuck I just need a pair of hands yeah so it changes and then that pair of hands then goes ah oh, well I've been doing this job for three months and now I think I'm skilled mm. so uh, you yelled at me last week so I'm gonna go work <laughs> at that job because they're gonna pay me 50 bucks yeah. extra and then they go the same cycle and they work in different restaurants with good names mm. for three months each because they go, oh, it got a little bit hard, I'm going to change jobs because they can walk in and out of jobs. And then this leads to them thinking they're amazing and then demanding more money mm. and thinking they should have to work less hours and get more money because they've worked in all these good places when really they haven't developed any skills along the way.
3: Yeah. So, and it, uh, hospitality just is like, I mean, I used to work in bars um, Brookvale and like around Manly when I was growing up, um, and pulling beers is one thing, right? Like hmm. pulling beers and, and and tending to the pokies and whatever. But way like, more
2: skilled than a chef, I agree. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. Being able to uh, being able to make sure you 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 keep the uh, the thirty eight year old pumping fifties into big red is a really good skill. <laughs> but I mean, it's like I I always go back to you know one of the hardest jobs clearly from what I've read and seen even in pop culture and even in anecdotes is working in a kitchen. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like, it's not uh, what, it's, it's, it's not this lifestyle where you come in, um, you make, make a few dishes of food and then you, then, then you leave. It's like, it's an early job that you have to stay late. You have to work when no one wants to work. So, you have to work Fridays and Saturdays. Um, and you don't get that Monday to Friday 9 to 5 thing but also at the same time you get to work in a kitchen which is like you get to work with people that you really admire and look I think that for, for me anyway um, I have the same I have the same anger at young journalists who are like, oh, you know, you just, what do you do? Just send a few tweets and like, you know, um, <laughs> and, and, um, and, and take some photos and, and write some words. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, we, myself and Alice, who are the political team at BuzzFeed, we wake up at six in the morning, um, read all the papers and we usually stay up till about 10 at night, making sure that we have every single thing on, on one of our social media channels. And it's like, there are people out there who do it. But they need to be obsessed. Like, it's like the one thing that we look for in young reporters is like obsession and aggression. Cause it's like you can't, you can teach everything else. You can teach people how to, you know, podcast. You can teach people how to, you know, um, operate a camera. But the one thing you can't teach is like this, this obsession in which they need to get it right and you need to get the story and you need to call back after being hung up on three times in a row. And I think that that's the. It's a commodity that isn't valued in the economy Because you can't It's like an intangible, yeah. of course But um, I think that the, the really disappointing thing now Is that we are rearing a generation And I think it's our generation as well Who, are been, who have been told their whole, whole lives do what you want to do yeah and like my parents did the same thing they're like mark you know like if you don't want to be a lawyer don't be a lawyer like you know chase your dreams and all that sort of stuff and what happens is like 30 years ago my parents were told like accounting teaching even if you hate it you need to do this job and i think that that's the we need to be a bit more realistic to young kids growing up these days like going and doing a liberal arts degree from university and thinking you're gonna get a job as a journalist like it's just not gonna fucking happen like There's just not enough jobs. And so, you might have to do things you don't want to do for a bit. Mm.
2: Yeah. Even me, like, you know, I I famously don't have a job and never have. But, like, I have done... You're a scrappy though, right? You're an entrepreneur. (laughs) I I do. So, I've done so many things for free for my entire life. And that's the equivalent of my training is, like, you know, like, I did so, so many jobs that i just kind of said was oh this is the learning curve you know like yeah. and and put myself out there and and then eventually you get paid for it it's the, it's the same in any
3: profession yeah. Yeah. even if
1: you don't really have and you got and- to start from the bottom and yeah. work your way up yeah and no, no, everyone no, wants to start I think, at the top. That,
3: I think the worst part about it is that like no one likes unpaid interns like that's bullshit and and anyone who's like trying to get an unpaid intern for 12 months is having a laugh right yeah. like it's it's clear that then you are actually just trying to it's like oh we're promising exposure like yeah. and it's like go oh, fuck yourself yeah. exposure doesn't pay like exposure <laughs> fuck, fuck
1: exposure yeah
3: fuck exposure <laughs> it was like but i've worked unpaid you know yeah, like i i worked i worked not, unpaid. For, 12, not for 12 months yeah i no. worked 12 weeks unpaid at a radio station what's your hourly rate for exposure how much <laughs> my, exposure my mum and me are exposure rate um <laughs> no i mean look i, I think that um I think that people need to remember that, like, you've got it. You've got to eat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. kids are got to eat. You know, you got to pay people, and that whole um, what you're talking about, Mitch, is what's so. Uh, like, you see it a lot in obviously hospitality, but you see it in every industry, which is just uh, there's a lot of self entitlement out there at mm. the moment, um, and these four five seven changes aren't going to help that because they're hungry, they're from overseas, they want to work. You know what I mean? Um, And I'm sure you're probably getting a lot of people from different, say, like, Southeast Asian backgrounds or whatever, and they're the hardest workers. They're the ones that are waking up, like, at three in the morning. And that's what that good food... um, Oh, no, it was an AFR story that talked about, like, there's a bakery in Paddington, right? Mm. And it's, like, he has four, 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 five, sevens, And they are all the ones that open the bakery at two in the morning. You know, it's like, why are we not surprised that like the hardest workers um, are the people that want to come here? Um, And that's, you know, we're actually creating this expectation gap between the Australian workforce and the overseas workforce that's probably a bit damaging as well.
2: Um, So I'm going to read Another comment out From uh, Anthony That kind of echoes That sentiment He says I own my own restaurant And have been in the Hospitality industry My whole working life Everything these guys Are saying is true Thanks Anthony (laughs) May I also add That I would love To have Australians In my restaurant working However not only Do they not want the job Most of the ones that do Are so shit I would prefer to employ An enthusiastic enthusiastic Hardworking immigrant No lazy white guy Wants to work hard anymore Brackets I'm white (laughs) It's so hard (laughs) To find a good Hardworking working anal retentive employee. Yeah. How do we encourage young people to be less entitled when it comes to
1: working hard? Stop fucking babying them. <laughs> Stop creating T V shows that let people think they can go on a go on T V and have you a can't career. Blame <laughs> everything on <laughs> Master <laughs> <laughs>
3: Every single I'm not watch, blaming do you but guys it, but it's it's a
1: it's a contributing factor. Sure. But like yeah. do you guys
3: watch girls, like the HBO yeah. show. Yeah. Like like it's a great portrait of the modern uh, mentality of a 20-something, right? Which is, you know, Hannah Horvath. It's like, she thinks she's the voice of a generation. And like, mm. she's got walking into jobs thinking that she's, you know, should be able to write her first book within the first couple of years. We see that sort of mentality all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that like, what can you do? I mean, it starts at home and it starts in families. Like, like I work hard because my parents are fucking hard workers. Yeah. Like my parents are, you know, my, my dad did not, take sick days like he just went into work even if he was fucking on death's door um, I just I, I worry because you know I hate also the way the media demonise young people at the same time so it's like well, the three of us are sitting around obviously shitting on young people <laughs> get off my grass get off my time, you see like Bernard Salt and all those idiots yeah. from the Australian being like oh you know millennials don't want to work hard and like eat avocado toast and don't want to own a house it's like that's bullshit like yeah. there are there's like it's like in many ways it's two tier like and fucking hell hot- though That
2: our generation responded to that in the worst possible way <laughs> yeah exactly the, the, the most avocado it, toast gate was yeah. the low light of last, last year yeah you know we,
3: we literally fell into his fucking trap exactly. you know what I mean It's like he set this elaborate trap and we just went... It wasn't even very elaborate, but we all... (laughs) 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 But it it resonated, right? It resonated because, you know, everyone spends $20 on brunch um, at some cafe um, and gets some, you know, ridiculous, you know, Acacia Power Bowl for Saturday Saturday brunch. And it's like, I think the problem being is that, you know, we are a very entitled generation Mm. um, who have it easy in many ways yeah for sure we live in a great society where wages are nice and high at the moment yeah. um but this is a different story out in out in suburbs it's a different story out in you know Wagga Wagga. it's a different story out in um up in north queensland so in sydney in melbourne it's 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 a good time to be young but it's also you know yeah it's also i it's think also that's hard where we
1: get i get caught up too because i'm in my own bubble surrounded by like-minded people and you know yeah you don't see that's yeah that's something that our
2: generation is dealing with for the first time i think that being being in a bubble where you think everyone thinks exactly the same same as you and then yeah stark realization that no one does yeah
3: yeah and also like the 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 people in the media who have the biggest voice for young people are the ones who are doing well and so it's like so they're the only ones you hear from so it's like you're not going to hear from young people who are You know, on mining sites or who are tradies and so and so, they might call into a radio station every now and then to voice their opinion. But you know, the ones that have the megaphone, like as we're talking into a microphone, (laughs) like we're the ones that also, yeah, we're doing good. You know, and I think that's the that was the for me that was the big uh, the big warning sign for last year with Donald Trump and Brexit. Like as a political editor, it's like you think you know things, and then like I mean, we didn't make any predictions, of course, but it's like it's like if you forget the people that there's, there's people out there that actually listen to Donald Trump, that listen to Peter Dutton, that listen to the Brexit Nigel Farage stuff, and go, fuck yeah. Like that's finally someone is articulating what I've what I've been angry at. Pauline Hansen's a great example. It's like Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. The amount of I, I always have this joke with my with my friends and family. It's like everyone has a Pauline Pauline Hansen supporter in their family. Yeah. And you just don't know it yet if you don't know who it is. Because my family is like middle class or upper middle class who live in Sydney, Newcastle, and they've they're first second and third generation Italian migrants. And yet, like my uncle loves Pauline Hansen. And I'm like, why? Like <laughs> you make a lot of money and like you're not someone who is like you're not a racist And it's like No but like She, she, she says things That other people Don't want to hear And it's like Fuck So I think that the, the most important thing You can do in 2017 As well Is like Just be hyper aware That we all live in Like filter bubbles On Facebook mm. And Instagram And Twitter And stuff as well One last uh, comment This one comes from Chris Question mark, question mark,
2: question mark, question mark I don't get it Dot, 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 dot Please correct me if I'm wrong Dot, dot, dot But cooks slash chefs have not been taken off the skilled labour list Dot, dot, dot Meaning that despite facing tougher English tests Nothing has changed Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark Full stop (laughs) I applaud the passion for the industry That is clearly shown in the video But is it totally irrelevant? Well, just one question mark at the end of yeah, that. Yeah, just one question.
3: <laughs> I mean, uh, and
2: this, this ties into the good food article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from well.
3: what I, from from what I've read um, about hospital how this changes the hospitality industry, <clears throat> it's more, it's it's less going to be about the chefs and the cooks, right? It's not, it's not. Good. It, you're going to be okay if you if you yeah. really need to come out of a four five seven and you're a skilled chef and you're going to become a chef at star city casino or the next barangaroo casino they're gonna be okay to get like someone who's a star chef on a 457 that's not gonna be a problem um it's gonna be about those you know down the line of 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 your workforce and front of house and
1: you know and that's the thing i want to make clear too that when we talk about jobs it's not just in the kitchen it's in every aspect of the business it's front of house staff bar staff Suppliers. suppliers sommeliers everything yeah it's and that's yeah that's a good point. Like, I would say ninety percent of my suppliers, the drivers that deliver the food every day, were either not born like weren't born in Australia, and you know like I don't know what their visa situation is, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're all on four five sevens, you know, and they're just doing a job that they can do to make extra money or whatever it is so they can be here working and trying to build a better life mm. for themselves the
3: English requirements are a really interesting one right so it's like <clears throat> they they said if you're going to get citizenship you need a certain level of English and it's some um, you know it, it is literally a test that you can take right but we should take it on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we'd all fail it, we'll um, fail it. Um, yeah. but it's like that's impossible <laughs> but it's like To learn English, say it takes you three or four years to learn English from from scratch in this country. You know, Lee Sales on 730 Report during her interview with Malcolm Turnbull brought this up, which I think is a really instructive example. Frank Lowy, the guy who's the mega billionaire owner of Westfield, right? He comes out to Australia. He's like four years old and he spoke very little English. And his dad opens this deli, Hungarian deli out in like Sydney's suburbs, right? And his dad didn't have time to go to English classes. Like but my god did he like create like this like amazing deli and did his kid like go to school and become like an absolute success story yes and it's like my italian grandparents like my italian grandfather when he passed away still hardly spoke english Mm. but was a was a worker in the bhp steel mills up in up in newcastle so it's like I think the English requirements Are another bullshit thing as well It's, it's like, fucking Like I don't yeah. give a fuck Like what yeah. someone can, How no. much
2: English they can speak When they're in Australia That's so no. stupid Yeah and Like I half tra- of the w- I ha- travel and like You know go Oh man I'd love to live in Vietnam I'm yeah. not, I, don't know, I know <laughs> like three words of Vietnam. It's like all those it's British
3: like- people Who like move to like Mallorca It's like you guys aren't learning Spanish Like yeah. let's, let's, let's get real you Yeah know? exactly You're going and ordering in English But I mean English requirements Are done in a way That they say It's an indication that they've that they want As, to integrate. Assimilating. And, it's, and integration is good. Like having uh, having new arrivals, like aggressively want to learn English is a good sign and it's great. And we shouldn't shirk away from that. But I think that the the examples that get brought up, there's countless of them. And I'm sure there's so many in restauranting and, and hospitality and delivery and all that sort of stuff is that they don't have time to like sit down and after working yeah. 11 hours and learn English. Yeah. Um, and there is obviously... Natural osmosis; they can start learning, but yeah. Anyway, it's it's mm-hmm. the English changes are particular evil.
2: Yeah, and then you know the, the, there was an article on, on good food that says you know what 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 do the four five seven changes really mean for hospitality? Written by pal of the show, Jemima Cody and um you know it kind of points out that you know don't worry, what we've kind of been saying like you know chefs aren't necessarily part of the changes. Yeah, um, but I think we should still be outraged at these changes because it is the beginning of something way more sinister. You yeah. know, we've, we've mentioned it throughout the podcast. It's, it's Mark, Malcolm Turnbull and the current government appealing to, you know, racist One Nation voters. And pretty soon after the 457 announcements came through, um, we got the announcement that Turnbull will today announce a tightening of the citizen process, including English language proficiency and Australian values tests and, lo- and a longer waiting period for permanent residents seeking to become citizens. In a series of questions to be approved by the public, migrants may be asked their opinions on female genital mutilation, <laughs> domestic violence, and support for terrorist organizations.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it's, uh, the press conference was like high fast, right? Like the journalists just jumped on him straight away and were just like, so if someone beats their wife, why do you think they're going to tell you in a citizenship <laughs> <Yeah>. test? <laughs> but it's a, so it's like, and, and so then you say, okay, so the changes are ridiculous in this in this instance. So it's about symbolism and it's about politics. I
2: do love the idea of like a British
3: backpacker being asked about <sighs> genital mutilation. Though. Just be like, do I support it? <laughs> um, yeah, I Is mean, it's a band. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I think that the, the that announcement was completely absurd and just so on Malcolm Turnbull, right? Like, so many young people who watched Malcolm Turnbull since he lost the opposition leader. To Tony Abbott, in two thousand and nine, um, put so much faith that there was always this like smart businessman yeah. who was a unparalleled success story in business. Right, like this guy Malcolm Turnbull. I always think to myself, is like, is there a more successful guy in Australian public life? No. Like the guy, everything he touched, he was a massive weapon at. Like he was a barrister, he was a businessman, he was an investment banker, and he was top tier at everything. Right. And I always think to myself, this is something a Sam Maiden from the Daily Telegraph, uh, she's now at Sky News, told me once. It's like, everyone always talks about like Peter Dutton becoming Prime Minister. And it's mm. like- That's fucking scary. Isn't it, right? And it's like, you think- this- Is it scarier than
2: Abbott becoming? I guess, yeah, more so. Yeah. I
3: think so, right? Because it's like, Tony Abbott has become, in many ways, a meme of himself. Like, yeah. he's actually kind of a kind of a joke in many, like, when he, you know, jumps out of the water and he speedos and all that sort of stuff, right? But- If you think about if, like, Peter Dutton were to replace Malcolm Turnbull, the Australian people for 30 years have known who Malcolm Turnbull is. Like, he's been a part of public life for so long and you're going to replace him with, like, Peter Dutton? Like, people are going to go to the voting boxes and think to themselves, Peter Dutton? Like, you replaced that guy with like th- this guy you replace him with this guy the- the- Malcolm Turnbull was this weapon in public life he was so successful he ran the Republican movement and you've left us with this Queensland cop and I think that that would be the disaster of the Liberal Party which and so many of us are all sitting around going oh we thought Malcolm Turnbull was so passionate about the environment so passionate mm. about LGBT rights so passionate about um, you know the all internet. these things the internet <laughs> yeah. and NBN and all that sort of stuff so yeah, it's 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 really de- we're in a really depressing moment I think because so many people's expectations and about who Malcolm Turnbull were are being being popped and I think it's a bit upsetting.
2: Like when you said 2 years ago I was like whoa, it's only been 2 years it feels so much longer to it me. It does, hey. Yeah. It
3: does. But then like Tony Abbott was there for 2 years and then we had like 6 years of just absurdity with the Labor government like being absolutely yeah, we idiots. we do kind of deserve this. Yeah, look, <laughs> and like the the I just think tragedy of Australian politics is that we are in trapped in um, like a reboot of the Labor government. Like it's like you know how um, you know how Star Wars has, like rebooted itself in many ways. Like episode. Uh, the, the latest Star Wars Is kind of just like Shot for shot for, uh, From A New Hope It's like Agree to agree agreement Okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just think about it, right it's like, it's like In many ways It's like this comic book The reboot. same plot devices <laughs> Yeah exactly right And it kind of feels like the same Like we're in a reboot Like we are You know Everything that is happening And seeing Tony Abbott now Going out and trying to wreck And then seeing co- Coalition liberal people Trying to be like Tony Abbott needs to resign For the good of the Coalition government It's like this literally happened like three and a half years ago, and um, we're being sub- subjected to absolute idiocy from our from our politicians. And that's why are we are we surprised that Pauline Hanson then gets people voting for her? Yeah,
1: politics is fucked.
3: So yeah, you and your peers write about
2: politics your entire you know your, your entire week. Yeah Why aren't you Have you ever thought about Going in like, You're a good dude With good with good <laughs> ideas And like you know I, You I, need I, to be I, like I, 40 I'm, years older though. Yeah, yeah. Well, is it no like, why, why don't we ha- Why aren't there more Younger politicians That, that have the same ideals w- As me
3: Well there's Sam Dastyari Is like the, the Classically young Trying to you know Create content On Facebook And he's becoming um, He is sort of Courting that That base You know like Smart young people Who are progressive and, and I always think You know like When I meet with you guys Right like You guys are entrepreneurs I don't think you guys are particularly like economically left, but you're definitely like socially progressive, right? Like mm-hmm. you're like fucking, you know, we want we want to have, um, you know, gay marriage. We want people to be able to um, express themselves and all that sort of stuff. We're probably like left, like center, left, center when it comes to economic policies, right? It's like, it's like you kind of want um, a, like a balance. You don't want to flip to the left or flip to the right when it comes to the economy. And I think that um, what depresses me is that Too often uh, Older generations Think that Appealing to young people Is about appealing to like Socialist young people You know what I mean (laughs) Like thinking that like Oh they just want to like Go to university for free And blah 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 It's like I would love to go to university for free, but I understand how an economy works and it's not going to work. Like, it's not going to work if everyone gets to go to university for free. Um, And I don't mind paying the Medicare levy and I don't mind doing all these sort of things as long as like you guys are running the economy in the right way. You're not doing dumb shit like four, five, seven. So, I um, I think that the best thing you can do um, to make change in life In society Is actually not going to politics Like <laughs> No I mean this It's like It's actually to open restaurants It's actually like Run media companies Where you can actually Where you can make Larger change You can set You can express yourselves In the right way I mean And for me re- Being a reporter It's like I love my job Because my job is Is never to make the hard decision In many ways mm. It's like It's like to come on things And express my opinion And, and, and dis- I, I I love my favourite thing is being able to ask a question to the Prime Minister as a 29-year-old. Like, I get to sit in a press conference and pepper Malcolm Turnbull with questions. And I think that that's a really great way to – in my way to give back. But, uh, yeah, why it, – it's hard, right? We've been talking about young people are self-centred and all that sort of stuff. In many ways, people feel as though that them getting involved in the political process is a little bit of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of their time. I grew up when I was. This sounds very, very similar to um, no one wanting to do hardworking jobs in restaurants. no,
1: no. Because I like, I like being able to come on here and whinge about everything, but then not actually having to do any hard work.
3: Yeah, it's like, would you do, go on you know a? I mean? It's like with the like keeps in the open stuff, right? As well, it's like. Do the Keep Sydney Open protesters who go out... Are they going out for their first ever protest? Are they go, mm. then going out and, and uh, protesting against asylum seekers? Are they yeah, then they're going they're out and protesting... Tyson,
2: who, who behind Keep Sydney Open, Tyson Co., has, has, has said many times, like, you know... Because people criticise him, like, you know, you're encouraging people to protest something that in the big scheme of things isn't that big a deal. It's yeah. so, like, no, this is the, the gateway to them being open to protesting. And, politi- uh, and politically absolutely, mobile, right? And it's,
3: and it's like... Like, I grew up 2006, six, seven, first first year uni... Kevin Rudd comes along, right? And you're like... Holy shit! Like it was the time around Barack Obama as this well. This
2: motherfucker can speak man, rim. Yeah, I was
3: like, and I was like, it was like those t-shirts. Are sick. Kevin seven rhymes. I, there. Yeah, oh, I fucked
2: up. Oh, I never made a eleven O seven t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, you should, man. You Just should. Do it with rock it, bring it, rocket now. 11's eleven.
3: It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, 11's uh, eleven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, little, I, I think well. that
2: that's still that's still uh, that's like, in, in the past. Yeah. yeah.
3: Look at Bill Shorten. Is he capturing people's like young people's energy? No, he's yeah. not because he's a union guy, right? And he's he's not necessarily someone who. Um, speaks when he speaks is using soaring rhetoric. So, I don't know. It's a really hard. It's a really hard position young people in at the moment because they're being let down by the political system, and that's very clear. And it's it's four five seven changes. It's housing affordability. It's the whole system being set up to shit on young people. Um, and the government loves to make it out that we're a self entitled whinging generation. And we are providing
2: them with the with Don't the script. Mean, yeah. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great if there were more young people in 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 that scenario? To yeah, tell them that we weren't. I, like I feel like there have been so many instances, like locally and 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 nationally, where I've just thought that no one in in power represents like or very few people in politics represent what I but what I would feel. Would it
1: even make a difference, like with the balance of the population? Like,
2: yeah, because our I mean,
3: population is growing, right? Yeah, but that's that's what I mean. Like, it's like who is more powerful? in Australia. Obviously, you've got Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. But, like, look who are, like, running the big businesses, like the, the Canon Brookses of Atlassian and whatever. Like, you can make real... Like, he's putting people through coding classes in in, in primary schools and stuff like that. Like, private... Like, look at Tim Cook in the US, with the head of Apple, right? Like, he wields power over, like, a fiefdom of, you know, 10,000 Apple employees. But also, like, his products and the way that they decide to express themselves do... Change people's lives same as Facebook right I think that there are things you can do in your life that are outside of politics where it could be in business that actually make the world better and you can just do and actually make your community better like it's actually Mm -hmm. acting locally that is the best thing and that's the good thing about you know the keep Sydney open thing it's like it's about local issues it's about like it's about zoning it's about all that sort of stuff
2: we haven't really had much good luck from what we've done so far though like I mean it still feels like no one's listening to us
3: yeah but at the same time That's because You're coming up against A ridiculous liberal New South Wales government In in terms of They're so popular Gladys Berejiklian Is going to be so popular For so long Really? I think so Because You've the Labour alternative is awful and they lost people's trust over 10 years of corruption and all that. This seems like
2: another example of why we need to be have someone like you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, well, why don't, like, a good, like Tyson, right? Like Tyson is amazing or from in the Open is an amazing voice in the media. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what if he ran for pre-selection for like Labour, you know, or like went to work for Tanya Plibersek who's the local Labour member. Like then he could make changes uh, maybe the Federal Labour come out and you know say that the um that the nighttime economy is being strangled so we need we need changes to do all those things there's i always think there's no path that you can like say this is the thing you do you go to university you do this you do this you do this you go become a lawyer you go to this like everyone's success will be different and it's like this tyson clearly has like a, a level of entrepreneurialism that like helps that movement but also, like, not many people know
2: about this. He's, he he selects all the videos that go on rage. Sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, he does. Which I saw mad. him doing the rage 30th anniversary thing as yeah. well. Yeah, look, I don't know. It's it can feel really depressing sometimes, but I think the worst part about it is as well is like signing a change to pet- petition is not going to make change. Mm-hmm. It's like being angry about penalty rates. Good, be angry, but like don't just like share a couple of things on your Facebook wall. Like go to go to events, and we're seeing this in the US at the moment with um with Donald Trump. It's like you can you can fucking tweet up a storm as much as you want, and 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 you can be sneering on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and whatever. But what people get scared about is people showing up at their offices yeah. and people writing letters and sending emails and that sort of stuff. Like just clicking yes on a change of petition That's what I said last week, Lebs. Yeah,
1: because I listened to a couple of political podcasts. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Mark tweeted it like, just before we recorded. <laughs> yeah, <you>? I like <laughs> to
1: retweet a lot of Mark's tweets to make myself <laughs> look like look clever and smart. <laughs> I don't actually know what but he's it's talking a real, about. Most of I don't the time. know.
3: It's a, we're we're in a real weird moment, just because the only thing that's going to make people uh, the internet the internet has allowed us in a way to connect that no other technological innovation has in the last say forty years, right? Mm. So the internet's amazing, and and social media is a, is is incredible because otherwise I wouldn't know you guys, right? Like I I also know like. I'm obsessed with, like, Levin's baby photos. Like, they are... Like, he takes the best Instagram photos with his children. Don't right? encourage him, bro. <laughs> They're so good, right? And I only know that mm. because of Instagram. But, like, it does allow us to sit at home, like, scrolling mindlessly through Instagram. And and, and I am I'm the worst at it as yeah. well is that, like, I can just scroll through Twitter. And I know the one thing to do to get work done is to close off social media and actually... Call up people And get stories That no one else has got So I think that if You know If anyone ever is thinking about Like actually making change It's like You've got to use social media right And it's like Social media is an important tool But you've actually got to Like You've got to operate in the real world Where like People aren't following you on Twitter You know Like my parents man Like my parents don't go on social media yeah. And it's like They're getting their news from the You know They, they buy the Daily Telegraph And they, they watch the project at night Like That's how they get their news and so, they're in their own little bubble as well. Mm. We're in a different filter bubble, but they're in a bubble. So, it's like, you've got to go where people are and you've got to think about how people are consuming information. <coughs> Sorry. I'm just ranting. That was right. great. That was <laughs> excellent. I was like,
2: how are we going to fill this out? This, <laughs> yeah, this, this is the whole point. Just come on and rent. Yeah. And that's what we do every week. Uh, so, I mean, how, how do we wrap up? What, I mean, what, what, what do you think is going to happen with, with these, uh, you know, these, these visa announcements? I think they'll yeah.
3: go through. Like, I think that um, uh, Labor will we'll probably try to block them or change them because Labor actually supports changing 457s. Um, so, with Xenophon and Hanson, I think the changes will go through. I think that we're not going to see, you know, mass closures of restaurants and cafes. You're just going to see small things, right? So, it's going to be like... It's not going to be like the... I always think it's like not going to be like the, the lockouts, which was like really blunt really quickly, right? Mm. It was like very clear that, you know, you could drive down the cross weeks after and it was just ordered like everything was closed and all that sort of stuff i think that you're just gonna see frustration and like from you guys like the people who this hurts and you're gonna see like people i, I, I and on friday i tweeted something like um to all the foreigners out in australia like hope you're having a, a cold beer this afternoon because i'm you've had a hard week and it's like i got a lot of people contacting me being like like i'm a british person i've been out here for two years and like I just don't know what my life's going to be like now. Mm. And you're going to get stories like that and it's just going to be really depressing because you think to yourself, we want to keep you um, in this country and we want to naturalize you. It's like maybe Australia's national story, like, it's like like an arc of story, is like skilled migration is probably the most important part. Like we're talking about skilled migration. We're not even talking about unskilled migration. Everyone who's coming out, he has skills. Um, and then the one thing, I guess, the one thing we didn't mention is that like, You've actually got to have, and you touched on it before, Mitch. It's like you've got to have two years experience or three years experience before coming out here on that four, five, seven visa, which is fucking hard to prove. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what if you're straight out of uni? Like, what if you, you know, you've done a year and you're you're really good and you want to go live in Australia and work in a cafe or work in a restaurant? You can't, and that's what's so so depressing as well. So I think the changes will go through, but I think that um, you're not going to see. I, I think. you'll you'll see places like the BCA, which is the Business Council of Australia. You'll see like the Chamber of Commerce. They've all got their own little things. Like they're like, we're outraged that CEO was taken off the list. And it's like, well, fuck, you know, like I'm glad you're upset, but I'm glad you're upset for the CEOs, you know? And you're going (laughs) to see all of these little groups and startups, hospitality industry. I think the only thing you can keep doing is like, is is that doing stuff like this, but then also like, you know, making it very like, the media takes notice when there's a, a compelling story that's a personal story that is done like we we saw a, we saw a, um, someone write this long Facebook status and it went viral right like you know and it was the same thing with the um, the guy who wrote that long thing on LinkedIn about the lockouts right it's like the media pays attention when someone writes passionately about their own personal experience and I think that if more restaurateurs, and if more startup founders and if more communicators and if more software developers who are being pinched are writing about their experience online and telling people about what it's actually like I think that that is a really powerful way to change the nature of the conversation um, and cut through so like if you you know if you're a restaurant owner an award winning restaurant owner and you're really pissed off with the changes you should like you know, you tell your staff, you should tell your customers, you know, we should say like have signs or have little things in your menu that actually art- articulates why things are changing or why prices have to go up and that's sort the of stuff mm. because people don't see the real world consequences enough. Yeah, what you should do is put an amazing dish on your menu, call it the 457 and then make it unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> or make every dish $45.70. Just for It's like, it's a 457 now. <laughs> I think we're going to call that this episode would, $45.70. That would make me a lot of money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so, last thing to do is uh, go through a little bit of feedback that we got in the last week. Uh, got a great, great uh, new I review. Love, I on love our, feedback. On our iTunes page. Um also, shout out, uh, the, the Mitchin is uh, in the, in the, constantly in the top 100 in the uh, art section of the Ooh. podcast at the moment, which is great. Um, the, the art arts... section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but the food section is part of the art's art section. It's part of the yeah. section, right. Um, we're artists, Mel- Melly Ellie says, Two stars for the moments of greatness. I loved this podcast when it was first out and was willing to overlook the confusing moments of obscure references and jokes. It gave me a great insight into the Sydney hospitality industry, and I loved hearing about food and places to try. It slowly happened, but the negativity and bitchiness without any substance, or at best, minimal substance, is now so apparent that I can't listen to it anymore. (laughs) It is boring when, A, your what I can only assume are improvised rants go on and on and on. About, for example, craft beer or the WA food scene, <laughs> <laughs> and B Levin's uh, which she's decided to spell L-E-V-I-N apostrophe S, which is traditionally how you spell someone's last name. Um, Levin's panders to Mitch's inherent misanthrope. I
1: what? don't know what that Mark would here mean. if you want to find out. What <laughs> <Yes. misanthrope laughs> can man? you can you explain what? that you to your me? Your ne- I,
3: negativity. Can I that? ask? Can I ask? Um, I've got to take my fiance um, out on a date uh, tomorrow night, and I can't. Be on this podcast without asking. What's like a good Sydney restaurant if I'm looking, say, like twenty bucks to thirty dollars? Like I'm looking to take on a nice date, but like I've been told that you guys are the masters at looking for value for money in this city.
1: Twenty to thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah. You might have trouble. Yeah. Okay, how much? Taking what am I like like Twenty to thirty Each bucks. Or, yeah, like per uh, dish. Per dish. Oh, that's easy. But
3: what do you want the final? What bill do you want? What do you want your final bill to be? Oh, I don't mind if it's 40, like up forty-five to about dollars. Hundred bucks 100 or one hundred and twenty bucks. bucks. Because then I'm, like, putting, like, probably getting a bottle of wine as well. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, in, like- in Chinatown, yeah? Yeah. But, um, like, I'd, I'd say go to Esther, go to Automata. Go to LP's Quality Meats. Go to Pinbone. Pinbone, you could probably get away with it. Yeah. easily because it's BYO. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're bringing
2: your bottle of wine. Yeah. 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 Pinbone. Good, good luck, Pinbone yeah. in Kensington. Okay. All, all the dishes are. In Is that was
3: that Pin- also a cafe in Paddington? Pinbone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah same same guys. guys.
2: So that was Mike who was on last week. Yeah. Well. Right. Right. But yeah. Right, so right. who was meant to come on today but got too drunk last got night? Got too drunk last <laughs> night. But
1: I. It's funny because I don't have. I don't think about how much it's going to cost me to go and eat. I think about, fuck, I really want to eat this thing. So, I'm going to go and eat it. Mm. And then, sometimes I get the bill and I go, "Ah oh, fuck. I probably shouldn't have wanted to eat this thing tonight. <laughs> but it's, again, it goes back into how much shit actually costs. And you mm. can go and eat really fucking good mm. for $30 a head in Sydney, in Chinatown mm. and whatever. and Or for $30 for a main meal, you can eat really good. But I've been to a few places lately where three-course menus are $95 Minimum And Or Four course menus Are a hundred plus mm. You know So it's, t- it's tough And I get caught Like Acme gets caught expensive And there's nothing on my menu Above twenty four dollars Or twenty six dollars your place is like It catches you by surprise Because you, you get It's
2: so much encouragement To continue spending money At your place Because there's so much good stuff there that, that, it, that goes so well with everything So I don't think your place Is necessarily expensive It's just Very fucking easy To spend Heaps of money there
1: Because it's good well, that isn't that the point exactly yeah. you know what yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. like I don't want people to come in and go oh I don't want to spend any money here because it's all shit like there are some you there know?
2: are some restaurants that I go like oh that's a cheap restaurant like you know I'll like, I'll all, constantly like in a restaurant like Hart's Yard I'll accidentally yeah. spend $300 because yeah. uh, their wine list is so great and yeah. simple and, and the, the the dishes are so good and I'm like oh I'm not t- quite stuffed yet yeah, exactly. and like you know and then suddenly you just keep ordering and yeah. ordering like, and
1: I, I eat till I'm full I don't eat to a budget yeah, you yeah you yeah. know yeah yeah So again like I'm in my own bubble And I don't understand why people are going I only want to spend $15 tonight You know there's some nights no, like, I, fuck, I, mean, I only need I to spend $10 that, And I'll my, go and just eat a bowl of yeah. Like ra- fucking amazing ramen somewhere Yeah And I'd be but like super satisfied You can, satisfied, no, but you you can vary
2: there, there are some places that like, like I think Sagra in, in Darlinghurst That's a really easy, place, easy way to eat They do like a pretty Sagra. cheap Sagra in Darlinghurst Awesome decent, decent like little set menu That's really quite cheap And mm-hmm. their drinks are pretty cheap
3: And great, good atmosphere Again
1: there. it depends like What kind of food do you want to eat as well Yeah you know? I know. Like what I'm, is, I'm
3: giving you guys not enough. What, right? is your
1: fian- what is What does your fiance like to eat?
3: Well, you know the place, the, we, the place that we ate recently that was just so good and the Chinese was so good is the new Justin Hems joint opposite the Enmore. Queen, Queen, Ch- Queen Chow. Queen Chow. That's our I met Patrick Friesen, head chef. That, was, that probably cost
1: you about 300 bucks.
3: That would cost... <laughs> well, we walked out of there for $200. <laughs> yeah. And we had a couple of cocktails and a bowl of wine. That was good. like one of the best... Recent meals I've ever had In Sydney Because it was just like Really fresh Chinese Wasn't oily Yeah um, And it was like Really Sichuan style So it was like Really really chilly as well So stuff like that Like maybe $200 Is probably where I'm actually Looking at for a full yeah. bill well Well Pinbone, You could go and eat The whole menu plus
1: Yeah And, th- and that's incredible Chinese And roll too. roll out of there yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah And that's that's a really fun Okay Fun vibe And, also, kind
2: of and, then, and they make their own Popsicles for dessert It's great Yeah uh, and again, yeah. Automata like for for yeah. like some of the yeah. best food Sydney's putting out at an incredibly good price. I went well. to, I
3: did I did a set um, menu thing with the, like a ten ten person thing at Automata. It was so good, yeah. like it, it was like a birthday dinner, and we all I think it was like you know. We were paid like two 200 fifty each. But, like, but it was amazing. It was so good. Yeah, you would have yeah. drunk a lot of wine. For we that. did. Yeah, yeah. we, we, we had did. the matched once.
2: So, yeah. <laughs> LPS. I had a really, really great uh, meal at Sixpenny recently. But yeah. I mean that's
3: you know that's 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 a that's, upper, a, that's upper, when you're the scale. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but Same like, like I man, you Focus can go yeah, to but.
1: Chinatown and go to fucking Sussex Street Food Court. Yeah, yeah. you can go to Chat Tai, Like, always good. Yeah,
3: we go to Old Town a lot in um in in Chinatown, which is like you get out of there fifty dollars each. Um, and that's like you're
1: rolling. Yeah, yeah,
3: fifty after having the heaps of. And like dumplings yeah. and stuff, or you can
2: go out out to Cab- have a day in Cabra, and you can spend twenty dollars ahead and eat at like five different places.
1: Ugh so good yeah like that's the, that's the amazing thing about Sydney yeah from yeah. top to bottom you got yeah you know that's Unless what's hard, that's, what's hard. Visas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the hard thing too like for you to say hey what do you I'm like man, there's endless fucking possibilities yeah, yeah. You know?
3: I guess it would be like you being like what piece of news should I read today yeah it's like, well, fuck, where do I start <laughs> which politics should I do yeah <laughs> <laughs> who should I follow on Twitter it's like well where do I start
2: uh, I also got one email this week. Uh, you can send us an email, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com. I'm only reading these This is very funny. I've been chronicling, uh, my, uh, struggle, not struggles. I've, I've been starting to exercise and talking about it briefly each episode. And I did a live podcast in Melbourne when I was there on Sunday night. Um, the Little Dum Dum Club, uh, they have like a drunk cast and they got me to DJ and I was just dropping, playing drops of my son insulting all the hosts. <laughs> um, I went through. it was very funny. But, um, uh, a listener of both Little Dum Dum Club and The Mitchin emailed us and just said, no subject. This is From John, uh, the weight loss shows Lev's killing it.
3: <laughs> that was a that was positive, nice. positive reinforcement. How are you losing you, I, I, Is it is it f forty five? It is f forty five. you He was ribbing about you before. You, so you know you look good. <laughs> Thanks, bro. You're like you know you're getting a, a much more sort of thinner face on the Instagram snaps.
2: That's the na- that's the, that's the first thing that goes. Pretty cool. Yeah. What's my boobs are turning into pecs? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The Mitchin, everybody. You can find us online, facebook.com slash The Mitchin, or send us an email, The Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find myself online at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Mitch is at instacrill or Krillin' on the run on Twitter. Uh, and uh, Mark is at MarkDistef. That's it. Um, of course, you yeah, find most of his articles over at BuzzFeed. Yep. And uh, you link to all of them all the, all the time, all the day.
3: All day. That's why I'm day. never not tweeting.
2: <laughs> uh, I got a couple other podcasts out. One's called Hey Fam about pop culture. One's called Serious Issues about comic books. And uh, this week, you can find me on a uh, very big podcast called The Weekly Planet, which is probably Australia's biggest pop culture podcast. Go check it out if you want to hear me talking about... Movies. Oh, actually, you'll you'll love this. Everyone listening to the Mitchum will love this. In the last two weeks, I've done two pop culture podcasts. One of them is called Comic Confidential. The other one's called The Weekly Planet. I am officially the first person to say the word cunt on both of those podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And I said it it three times. And and like... I don't say it that much in the, in the context of the regular guests that we have on this, on this podcast, but it was just uh, very, the, the Weekly Planet actually like 30 seconds, like, like midway through the episode, the host like goes, oh, yeah, I'm just interrupting here just to let you know that there's going to be some very coarse language <laughs> in the next 30 seconds. So just skip forward a minute if you don't want to hear it. Okay, bye. And then it's just me, me doing an impersonation of Batman calling Rachel al We a So,
1: <laughs> so uh, also I'm going to be in South Australia next week in Adelaide for Tasting South Australia from saturday to sunday so if you're in south australia come say what up at whatever i'm doing i don't have any clue what my program is but i'm doing a few things so we probably can't record next week either
2: okay great maybe i'll do a, a wine episode with mike benny
3: great idea great idea
2: uh mark you got anything cool coming up you want to plug um uh, huh?
3: yeah i do have a book out uh what a time to be alive um that another lies on the 2016 election campaign that was out last year but i'll be at the sydney writers festival uh i'm doing a couple of events um Around late May, so if you want to hear more, um, just chat about politics. Come to Sydney Writers Festival. Cool. Excellent.
2: Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, Mark. No, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Oh, Mark, wait, I forgot to tell uh, you. Yeah. We get all our guests to uh, pick a song and to close the uh, episode. Oh. Uh, you you got to pick a song. Can be a classic, Am new, I, something new.
3: yeah. It's really bad, but like literally all I've been doing recently is listening to Kendrick. Um, yes, uh, the most That's recent not really Kendrick bad. album. Well, no, I just—it's like, a bit of a stereotype, right? And um, is I it can like? Well, I don't know. It's just like everyone. It's like number one at the moment, right? So yeah. it's like Kendrick, Drake, and the LCD Sound System. I've been listening to, but um, I'm obsessed with this song "Losing My Edge" by LCD Sound System. So, oh fuck! I
2: thought we were going to hear Kendrick. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no humble,
3: bit- humble, humble by Kendrick. Okay, I like humble too.
2: <laughs> but maybe we'll play both at the same time. <laughs> you can mix those two. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. we got to talk about that Kendrick album in the future. Too. Yeah, for sure. It's very good. It's very good. See you later, everybody.
0: <laughs> we get a weakness. You got to see this. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crumb allowances for Nissa Nickel with some counterfeits, but now I'm counting this Parmesan where my accountant lives. In fact, I'm down in this. You say, with my boobay, tastes like too late for the analyst. Girl, I can buy your Westy Girl with my base. Oh, that pussy good once you say it on my taste bloods. I get way too petty once you let me do the extras pull up on your block then break it down we playing Tetris. am to the b beam to the a.m. phone piss out your per diem, you just gotta hate them funk if I quit your b.m. I still rock mercedes phone. if I quit this season